Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. This episode is brought to you by Mike Young, the Makeover Master. If you feel your business image might be costing you money, influence, power, and respect, then head over to makeovermaster.com to discover what their complete brand makeover experience is all about. Go check it out right now because everyone deserves to look their best. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. We got a very special guest today. She's a mother, a literature lover, a soul music fanatic, and she's been a professional theater actress for over 20 years. She officially coaches speakers for TEDx events, is an award-winning playwright and dark fantasy author. She is an expert in storytelling and is able to help people discover their uniqueness and share it with the world. But with all success comes a lot of uh, trials and tribulations. So having to move from Germany to Brazil without knowing a word of German was very challenging, but she was able to overcome this and go on to become a professional actress and director. She was also involved in a very abusive relationship that brought on a lot of different health concerns and panic attacks. She was also put into over 12K worth of credit card debt, which was very challenging. So I'm really excited to have her on to really talk about her story, where she's come from, and how she's been able to get through that. So super excited to pull out a lot of inspiration for this. So Ariane DeMello, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you, you know, and I've, I've, we got connected through mutual, mutual friends and yeah. um, it's just becoming such an amazing thing because you, you get to know these, these people that are doing great things and then you get connected to them. So, you know, you can probably agree with me that on this journey and being online, you can connect with so many like-minded people that really just make the journey oh. so, so special. Oh yeah, this is this is the magic of the internet. I mean, I see we see a lot of bad things every day, <laughs> but there is the positive. There is a positive side, and it's amazing. I've been connecting with extremely interesting and amazing, incredible people that I would never have met if if we weren't online. <laughs> So yeah. And it's so funny how the, the online world and you know how it used to be and how it is now and how it was like this, this weird sort of world. And if you met somebody online, it was like, it was strange, but, but now it's, it's pretty amazing because you can kind of get to know them and you can kind of see them and, and, you know, with social media, the way they show up, you know, on different platforms, you can kind of get to know the style of person, how yeah. the content that they use. So, <laughs> It's it's really amazing, and I mean, some people get freaked out by it, but I find it fascinating. So I, I also find it fascinating. I so we kind of grew up slowly with it. So I'm in my early thirties right now. So we grew so 15 years ago, this would be impossible, and today yeah. it's so normal. I say Facebook is the new pickup bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, who, yeah, exactly. I mean, you something like that. You can definitely use it for that if that's what you want to do for sure. Yeah, it's, um, it's amazing. So it's incredible. yeah, the next 20 years are just going to be even more amazing. So let's, um, 
let's dig deep a bit here. I want to go back to, you know, I'm very fascinated because you're um, coming. I'm, I'm, from, Bra- I'm Brazilian. Yeah, yeah. Coming. This is, yeah, this is the thing. This is amazing. So coming from Brazil and then having to move to Germany, that's a pretty incredible um, in a story in itself. So maybe take us back to your, to growing up and what it was like, first of all, in Germany and then having to go, or sorry, in Brazil and then going to Germany and, and how that transition was. It was crazy. I was 19 already, so I wasn't that much of a child, but I wasn't an adult yet. It was this transition time and that can get very dangerous as I learned many years later many years after I came to Germany, that this age of early adulthood where you don't really know what you do with your life, you need some kind of safety. And that was the moment where I left my country, my family and everything and moved overseas to Germany. (laughs) Just like, no biggie. That's crazy. (laughs) Like... It was no biggie because when I was 19, things didn't have the weight they have today. Today, as a 31-year-old with a child and a business and other things in my head, with 19, you just do stuff. And I have very cool parents. They always said, you do what you want to do. You do what you have to do. And if it doesn't work, you can come back home. I can come back home even today. And I'm a grown person. So this gave me wings to do what I did. And I didn't have to come here. I just came here because there was an opportunity to come here. Right. And I didn't expect to stay. It wasn't planned. And that chaos... It was first was very exciting because you are in another country and you are so busy learning the language because I didn't know a word of German when I came. Not a word. <laughs> That's also a thing. I would never do this again. <laughs> never in my life. We're talking about going to Spain. And I was saying that I have I, to learn another language. German is a very interesting language. And I, I mean, I can't even... I can't imagine learning it, like, to be honest. Life is too short to learn yeah. German. Yeah. <laughs> that is the thing. Yeah. So I was 19 and that was pretty much okay. Everything was an adventure when you are 19, I yeah. think. Yeah. My father is a Marine officer and he had friends all over the world and he has this couple in Hamburg, Germany. And they always wanted to get to know me. She's Brazilian. He's German. They are an elderly couple. And the son was living in another city, was married, and she was feeling alone. And she really, really wanted to get to know me. We connected very well over telephone. And over telephone, now you, now you see that it wasn't the thing with Facebook and, wow. and such as we didn't have, we didn't have WhatsApp to like big, these kind of phone calls yeah. with FaceTime. But I, I bonded with her very well. And when my university in Brazil striked, because it happens, I just came here to just like, I don't know, take pictures and say, I've been to Germany. Right. Yeah, it's, it, it wasn't planned. 
So what was it like? Did you, how was your growing up in, in Brazil? You know, tell us what it was like with that, you know, because I, I've met a lot of Brazilians. I lived in Australia for five years. Um, and also I live in Canada, Vancouver. So I feel like a lot of them get, they either move to Canada or Australia because they can speak English it's a little, or, or the States or the States. But like I've met a lot and they're, they're a lot of fun and they're, 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 they're great people and they're very cultured. Like they love to get together and enjoy things and have a lot of fun. What was it like growing up in Brazil? Like maybe paint us a picture because so many people want to go to South America, you know, and I would love to just hear what it's like to actually grow up there. Yeah, I... I love South America. I have to say it's not just because I come from South America, but I think South America is a, a treasure that people didn't really get to know yet. Because everything we hear is drug as drugs cartels and and then you have the violence and you have the poverty, which is also true. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. It's true. But it's not in that way that we see on TV. It's getting worse, yeah. It's getting worse, but it's getting worse everywhere. Not just in Brazil, not just in South America. I had an extremely happy childhood. Yeah, awesome. I had, I had great parents. Okay, my father was very complicated when it came to school. So he, he was very dominating and I had to bring straight A's home and that kind of broke me a little because I am a creative soul. I had many problems with things like math and chemistry and physics and everything that puts me in a, in a cage. <laughs> and he was, and he didn't understand that. He expected from me straight A's in everything. So that's, that was a little bit tough, but not my life in Brazil. I like to say that I moved from Brazil because there was an opportunity and I wanted an adventure, but it's not because I wanted to move away from Brazil. I know my country has problems, but I love it. Yeah, I love the country. I love the people i love my culture i love our music and our food i am brazilian 100 percent, and i love the mix that we have in cultures and religions and faith and magic and our legends and the amazon and oh yeah i find it fascinating and i never wanted to move away so what, what was my, my childhood like? It was mostly with my mom because my father, as I said, was a Marine officer. He was never there or <laughs> not often enough. And it was going to the beach with my mom, was visiting relatives with my mom. I was an extremely happy teenager. I started in theater very, very young. I started on stages when I was three years old or something like that. And then I had camera acting was about nine. And then theater came to my life when I was 11 and I never stopped. I used to go to tours. And I remember when I was, oh my God, how old? I think 15 years old. And I had to go to my school. So normal school, like high school. And Ask the principal to let me go to the evening school, means I start studying at 
5 p.m. because I had to play theater during the day. <laughs> so I had to, and I, I could convince her to let me do that. So I played a lot. My life was between studying to get into university, playing on stages, mostly for kids, And partying, like every other teenager, I had a very, very happy time. And that was tough when I moved, when I moved away. That was, it broke me years later. Mm. See, I, I like that because it's nice because not everybody has... Not everybody comes from a bad upbringing, you know, and I like to hear the positive things that it obviously installed with you, you know, like you obviously you have, you can tell you have good energy, you have, you have love for your country, your family, which is amazing. You know, not everybody has to hate growing up where they were. And I, I love how, how I love that angle. But as you, you, when you move, that culture is way different, especially going from somewhere like Brazil, because I, I've met so many Brazilians and they're just, they're amazing. You guys are amazing people, no doubt. So are Germans, but it's different. Yeah. Europe is a different, is a different beast, right? It's different. Yeah. And each place you go, you know, my girlfriend's from France and it's different. They're, it's all different. And that fascinates me. So how, like, what are some of the things that you really noticed in Germany that were different as far as, you know, culturally get togethers, you know, what you eat, what you, what did you really miss that you thought you weren't going to miss? Because even when I moved to Australia, even though they're very similar, there was little things that I missed. And there's yeah. little things that I was like, oh, I, I kind of miss when it's winter, you know, which is <laughs> yeah, bizarre, I, I which that, is yeah. crazy. But like <laughs> maybe, maybe some of the, the, the things that you went through that, that kind of added to the challenges. The sun. Yeah. <laughs> the sun. I am not a heat kind of person. I really have trouble. My body, my body goes crazy when it's hot. Oh, really? It has okay. always been like that. Yeah. It was tough growing up in Brazil as far as it goes, as far as heat goes. And then when I came to Germany that I never thought I would miss, it was how much sun we have in Brazil and how hot it is. And that I, I really took for granted that I could just take a bus and be in 20 minutes at a beach. <laughs> it didn't happen anymore. So this was another thing was the way we dress in Brazil. So the girls, especially at that age where you party a lot and you like doing that, it's normal, it's typical for a Brazilian girl to dress up. It's typical for us. We like that. We like the big earrings and everything. So especially where I was in Germany, which was in Hamburg. Oh. And the people, I, I, oh, this is <laughs> such, a, such a different world. <laughs> no kidding. It's so different. And they were, so they are very different from us. The girls that I hang out with, they were like more natural, let's see. Natural, it's not the word, but they didn't like dressing up as much. I remember I had a friend and she used to work with me at a kindergarten. She worked at kindergarten and one day she just asked me, so do you want to go to a party tomorrow or it was a Friday or today in the evening? Her boyfriend was a DJ 
and oh, this is a DJ and there's a party and she was always at parties. And I said, okay, fine. And then I went, so I dressed up to go to the party like we do in Brazil. <laughs> and I met her and she was wearing the same thing she wears in a kindergarten. The same sneakers and the jeans and, and no makeup. And I thought I was doing something wrong <laughs> because it's, it's this the thing here. Yeah. And that kind of that crushed me a little. Because the environment where I was was so different from the feminine side I have. Yeah. And then I started thinking that I had to fit in this image. And then was the point where everything went down. Oh, like, wow. That was very hard on me, but I didn't realize it. The how much I thought I had to fit in in something that I imagined to be true, which is not true. It was my perception of truth. It was what I saw in my, I started later, I went back to the theater, went back to performing arts school, like, like strict European old fashioned classic acting school and the girls were very different from me and I started to want to be like that because I thought people expected that from me but they didn't so it was a very awkward weird time that I didn't know who I was who I wanted to be who I was supposed to be and because I don't know if you had that but I had in here in Germany this guilt that you are in another country and you feel like, okay, I'm the foreigner. I need to make it up to them that I'm in their country or something like that. Though nobody asked me to do that. Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting perspective because when you, you go to different countries, there's just so many different things and, yeah, you almost, uh, and, and these are the kind of things you don't realize until you travel. This is why travel is so important. It's, it's more than just going on YouTube and watching a video or pictures. This, <laughs> this is the shit that is the gold from traveling. Like this is, or living abroad. This is why people do it. Like this exact story is exactly why human beings need to leave their comfort and go into different different um, environments because we get so used to that the that culture and that's the way it is and there's no other way and then when you go and you you realize that your identity is kind of lost that you created then you're forced to sort of take on this own thing but that's the whole detachment you need to detach from that because you aren't that identity that's just where you grew up right and to go to a new country and actually take on and appreciate the new things makes it beautiful, but it's all how you look at it, which is, you need, you need, you have to, you have the beauty of it for me now after 12 years is that I had the chance to actually get to know myself, who I was, who I wanted to be, not based on my culture, not based on how I was raised, but because I am here, I have, it's like, 
being out of my body, it's an, <laughs> it's a, a kind of, it's this kind of experience. Mm. You're outside of your body and you have the chance to observe things and yeah. to choose who you want to be. Yeah. You know, you know what I, I really noticed is when I went to France to visit my girlfriend's family, I can't speak French, right? And I'm used to always kind of, you know, carrying a conversation, kind of being in the action, like talking about things, you know, getting involved. And when you, when you can't speak and communicate with people and comment on the food or comment on this or have that sense of humor, it almost feels like you're... Yeah, like your identity, like I enjoyed the experience. I loved it and it was a lot of fun. But I was that you realize that communication, being able to express yourself is really you when you don't have that, you really miss it. It's really tough. I had that because I couldn't understand a word of German. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, I think kids or dogs feel like that. Yeah. And you're never the same unless you speak your native tongue, right? Like even English, you could speak English. Great. But there's probably some things that it's just, it's not the exact same as like when you speak Portuguese. It never is. It never is. It's never the same. Which is, which is amazing. Cause yeah, I I talk about that with my girlfriend all the time with French, you know, she's, you know, good sense of humor, funny, but that's the English version. Like I'd like to know like the French version, you know? Cause oh, how, how is that? <laughs> yeah. Like that's why I'm learning French. It's going to be fascinating. Um, oh yeah. So French is a beautiful language. Yeah. Um, the, it's, it's amazing. It's a, it's a very unique culture and food and everything. So mm-hmm. I put on a lot of weight when I went there though. So I had to be careful next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The French, they have the thing with food, with a good life. Yeah. It's fine. It's good. I wanted to talk about something. You said you're a creative soul. Now, I really want to get into this part. Um, so your dad was probably, am, am, am I guessing that he wasn't more, he was more of like the hard worker. He wasn't really a creative kind of, or was he? Is, did you get that from him? Or did you, kind of, did you kind of have your own thing? And did you find that challenging having that, wanting to express that to the world? when you're told to kind of go to school to do things a certain way. Was it like that in Brazil? No, not really. So my, my parents, so my whole family is very creative. They all can sing. They all have great voices and they all can dance and they are fun. My father had this weird relationship with school grades. I don't know what's that. And he doesn't know it anymore because he was so young when I came to this world. I think he was trying to do the right thing to provide me with the best future possible. And he never took the time to understand that it didn't have to be that way. So he regrets the way he dealt with the situation. But he was actually the one that came to me and said, I think you have the talent to be an actress. Would you like to try it out? And... And he sent me to the theater. Yeah. That's awesome. Because the, the, the reason I went down that way is because a lot of times, you know, <clears throat> parents, we're, they're taught one way. And the way they were taught was different. It was kind of go to school, do the normal system, get that normal job. And then the arts and the creativity side of things kind of got pushed aside because that wasn't a real career that they said. It's not right? a real job. But really, <laughs> how, 
But I mean, what is really, you know, why is hating your job? Why is that considered a real job? This is the thing that, that boggles my mind and why I love that people are waking up because there's so much stuff going on in people with art and creativity that is suppressed over the years. Mm-hmm. And do you feel that that creativity is going to come out more now? And do you feel that's going to have a big impact? Like you see it in entrepreneurs. feels like people are are quitting those jobs and kind of wanting to do their own thing. Do you see that as a huge impact in it growing, that sort of creativity and that art? I definitely hope that it does. I hope for the sake of people that they come back to the place of creativity. I always say the inner child is always right. What did you want to be when you were a little kid? Yeah. What was there? We have this playful and joyful and this attachment to creativity. It's natural. It's human needs. You want to do something related to creativity. Yeah. And I never, I never, I was lucky enough that I didn't have to choose. Yeah. I actually, I, I, I was the one who always said, I don't want to be an actress for a living. I wanted to be a journalist. Mm. My, I did this for passion and love, but not for professional reasons. For I didn't want to monetize it, though I made money with it, but I didn't want to monetize it. It wasn't the reason why I was in theater. I was in theater for political reasons, for creative reasons, mm. but not because I wanted to become a professional actress and live from this. Right. Wasn't my plan. So now we mentioned earlier when I just, you know, we were introducing you, um, we talked about you were, so you were in Germany and you got into a relationship that didn't serve you, you know, abusive, got you into debt. Can you maybe just kind of go back into that and maybe explain, you know, first of all, what happened and like, you know, what you, what you had to go through and what you got out of it to become, you know, better and, you know, where you are today. Now I can talk about it, but it took me, I think four years or longer to be able to talk about this. I was very young and so was him. And he was a person that I got to know when I first came to Germany. When I first came to Germany, when I was 17, was the first time I've been here. And then I went back and forth and then I came and I came back and I started studying and learning the language and everything. There was something weird about his energy that the 19-year-old me couldn't tell. I, I didn't really know what it was. I just knew that he was there. So with the time, I came to realize that he had a lot of psychological problems, maybe even psychiatric problems, that his mother tried to put him in an institution when he was younger. And there was the situation with an ex-girlfriend that he lost a lot of money. It happened something similar that happened to me. Because, but at that time, I thought he was the victim because he was very good at playing the victim. And he was a person 
that got very aggressive. He never hit me. That wasn't the, the abusive part. It was an emotional abuse. He was very jealous of me pursuing the acting path because he wanted to become an actor and never, never got any support from the family. And then things started getting very weird. He mm. would attack me with words. He would attack everything that I did in school. And he got involved in my school because suddenly we became competitors so in, in a way. He wanted, he wanted what I had. He wanted the life that I had. And he had some very deep panic problems. He was a very depressive person to the point where he needed to take medications. Mm. And I remember, I remember coming, coming home and seeing a lot of letters from, I don't know, from bills, from everything, invoices from, I don't know, telephone and things like that. And he wouldn't open them. They would stay there and he wouldn't open them. With the time, it, it, didn't took me, it didn't take me very long to realize that he couldn't work with money very well. That he didn't have this... He would spend a lot of money in things that weren't important. And it was important for him to show other people that he was something that he wasn't. Mm. And he had this job where he needed to be in different places. He was a salesperson, sales manager for a company. And he wasn't allowed to have a credit card because of the situation with his ex-girlfriend. Mm. So they just blocked his name. He wasn't allowed to have a credit card. So I had a credit card and he used I knew that my credit cards to pay some things and it was fine. And there was, a, I got to the point where I had three jobs. I think it was very tough, but it was okay. And I was making enough money to say, Hey, we don't need the credit card anymore. Because something in the back of my mind was telling me that this was going to be a problem. And he told me, yes, that's okay. So we still have to pay something for the credit card and then we'll cancel it. My problem was that I wasn't confident enough with the language to deal with these things myself. I could have gone to the bank. I could have called a friend, but he was the person that I trusted. Right. So I never thought, I never thought that. I would have some kind of issues later on because of this credit card. Yeah, it comes back and haunts you later. Oh, it was, I really, I couldn't talk about this for four or five years, I think. Because what happened was I prepared this letter for the bank and I said, okay, we're canceling the credit card. I gave it to him. And he said he was going to do that. And for me, the story was over with that letter. 
So I, I broke up with him sometimes after because it wasn't working and it wasn't working because of this life that I had that it wasn't a life. The person couldn't go to the supermarket without having a, a meltdown. Wow. And sometimes we went to the supermarket together and he started shaking on the line and just left me there, non-speaking German very well and went to the car and just disappeared because of his panic attacks. And I tried to understand because I wanted to be the bigger person. And as I said, I had the guilt feeling of being in another country. If I were in Brazil, I think I would have been different i would have dealt with the situation in a different way but because i was here i thought i had to endure things that i really didn't have because mm -hmm. i am the foreigner especially for women there is this thing that i it's it's weird it feels weird at least it did for me not anymore but it did so you are in a relationship with a german people look at you in a weird way Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. And thank you for sharing that being vulnerable because um, it's hard sometimes to share those things, but you know, it's good because it helps you even heal even more. I know when I share my story as hard as it is, sometimes it's good to share because you may be able to really help somebody be like, Oh, you know, I've been going through that. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's the amazing thing about this. Right. And there's a ripple you can create. So Okay, yeah, and, and with credit and all that, it can really mess you up for a while. So, oh, yeah. So, all right. Now, transitioning from that, right? What, now let's, let's go from there, what happened with the credit, but then now let's talk about what you're doing now because you're doing amazing things. And I really want to, you know, you. get into that and talk about, <laughs> um, you know, the TED Talks and all this kind of stuff. So maybe take us on that, that journey there for us. Yeah, it took me it took me a long time. I had somebody in my life helping me with the situation with a credit card. As I said, I was working one day and I got a letter on my desk and I opened and it was telling me that I owe some company 12,000 euros. Jeez. And I was like I thought I, I was I, I thought I knew that was a scam because it was some kind of scam going on to the time that people are just getting letters from some company and you have to pay and you don't have any kind of debts. I was so sure that this was the situation that I actually wanted to throw it out. But I wanted to dig a little further and then came to realize that this person kept using my credit card after the breakup. And had huge debts, like paid things for his car and video games and hotels in cities I've never been to with my credit card without my knowledge mm. and never paid. So this, and I, I never thought that this would ever happen to me because I'm not a bad person. And I was naive enough to think that bad things don't happen to good people. <laughs> And I, I learned in a very hard way that that is not true. <laughs> it, 
it happens to everybody. Yeah, but did you learn that it's hap- like it probably happened for you to teach you some stuff, right? Like I still didn't get the part. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know what I have from that, honestly. I don't know. I think this is this is one of those things uh beep happens. Oh, yeah, and you can swear, it's okay. I can swear, <laughs> okay, shit happens. <laughs> I, I cannot swear everywhere, so I, I have it's, to. Um, I, I, you know, it's it's the passion. I, I it's I, I, swearing doesn't bother me. Okay, that's good. And then, so we came from that. That hurt me in on many levels, and I was very angry at myself because yeah. I am very tough. I am very tough on myself most of the times. It's getting better, but at the time I was very like my worst enemy. How could you do this to yourself? Yeah. And was I punished me for many years for yeah. letting that happen. Yeah. And I wanted to get I wanted to get away from this person and I couldn't because there was this bond name the credit card debt and it went four years until i finally went to court and i won but it took four years of my life where i couldn't have a credit card and oh. all these sort of things yeah so i did i couldn't have an apartment without having somebody to sign up for me because i was huge debt with this company and i had another relationship, which was another very weird situation that I maybe needed to grow on many ways. And one day, one day I was at a very low point emotionally that I had after the credit card situation, after having a very, as we say in Brazil, a very rotten hand for man. (laughs) And totally forgetting myself, letting people live my life and make decisions for me. There was this emotional low point where I thought, okay, it doesn't matter what happens to me anymore. I just, I'm just doing things. I had my first novel published because writing is something that has ever been a part of me, a big part of me. I think it's my favorite thing in the world is writing. It's something that I do for myself. I won awards when I was a kid. It's something I, it's the biggest part of me. So I found that I had my first novel published and then I got afraid And then I just stopped promoting it. And then one day, one day there was this one novel that actually saved everything. And when I wrote that, it was about dad's dreams, about this woman, this death fairy, this banshee that kisses people and steal their dreams, their life goals. And that's it. And then your dad and they live from the, from the dreams. You never, you never had the courage to live for yourself. So the time tells the story after I wrote the book 
couple of months, maybe one year later, I realized that I was, that this was therapy. I was working things out that I didn't know how to, because that happens a lot to me. I cannot talk to a therapist because I know exactly what is going on. I just cannot connect that to my feelings and put it into action. Mm -hmm. I can do this when I write. I wrote this book. And when I wrote this novel, I got a second contract with a publisher, with a second publisher. And things started changing. I kind of blossomed again. And then I had to leave another relationship that was wrong for me. And I was at a point where I was kind of a trophy wife living in the mansion and doing nothing of my life living in the shadows of someone else, letting that happen. And I just went to Brazil one day and just said, I'm going. I went to Brazil. When I came back, I changed my life in two months. I got myself a job. I got myself an apartment. I endured a lot of pressure from the other side and other things that I don't like talking about that I had to accept not to be thrown away before my apartment was ready. And then I was out. I had a job. I could provide fully for myself. I had a cute apartment in the city and it was amazing. And then I had time alone and clarity to think of what I really wanted. And I remember watching that poet society for the, I don't know, hundredth time and crying and thinking that, okay, you did this, but that's not what you want to do. You want to do something else with your life. And I got, and that's where it started with entrepreneurship. I remembered that I used to train speakers when I was studying And that was a lot of fun. But then I saw that that wasn't enough. It's not about only about training speakers to become better on stage. It's about putting art to this speaking so these people can bring their messages. And not in just in in the more entertaining way, but in a way that will catch the audience and will move the audience to take action too. And that's where the, let's say the vision, the mission started. And when I found that, things went pretty quickly. Fascinating. So what are some of the things that, okay, so you, you help people kind of discover their, their uniqueness, right? And this kind of, one of the pull, it, pull it out and to be able to, so do you show people, this is interesting to me because, correct me if I'm wrong, no do you help to bring people's creativity out of them so that they can learn how to bring it out into real life, like writing or in expression, in like ad copy or whatever, like or speaking? Like, Do you I, help people sort of understand what they have and kind of bring that out instead of suppressing it? Maybe just kind of elaborate on that. No, no, this is, this is right. I work, I do this with speakers or speakers-to-be experts that want to improve their speaking, but I came to realize that it's more than that. Okay. 
I created a five-step, a five-step program to help people with their presentations and in this time, help them find out who they want to be, find out what is hidden inside. So I came up with my foundation system and every letter is a word that we work on. It's the foundations of the foundation of speaking that has a lot to do with the technique, but it also has to do with focusing, with concentrating, with observing. And the uniqueness thing was important to me because when I brought my book out and I knew I had to advertise for it, I asked myself the question, so what now? You need to go out there, you need to do something. What do you have that is different from other authors? Like you are an actress. So I started cosplaying my own characters. Mm -hmm. So you will see on my Facebook, on Instagram, many pictures of me dressed up as a sugar skull, which is one character of one novel as this death fairy that I created called Linu May. I will put these things on and makeup, go with a professional photographer to a cemetery and take pictures. Wow. So this is me, the dark part of loving to be on cemeteries and loving this death energy to help me see life as something that it's going to end. So this is my uniqueness. It's the dark side that I have been repressing this year's. I help people try to find what their uniqueness is and bring this out on stage to uh. make something that it's remarkable and to set something free that they have been repressing. Like I have been repressing my dark side. Wow. And this is important from the acting perspective. So this is what we do. We break. <laughs> I, you know, one thing came to mind and this is kind of fascinating. Do you think, because Heath Ledger, when he was, when he was playing Joker and Batman, right? He embraced himself so much into that dark character that it almost became him. And I've heard this about other roles. Now, obviously there's like a fine line, but like, don't you find that fascinating how somebody can completely embrace that and turn themselves almost into that? Like, that goes faster than we would like that to be true. crazy. You know, yeah. like that character, Heath Ledger played Joker, is probably one of the best performances, for me, my opinion, that I've ever seen another human being do. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dangerous profession if you do it that way. Yeah. So method acting in the way that Lee Stressberg, he didn't develop it. This is, this is a technique from uh, Konstantin Stanislavski, but he was his student and he did it and he made it a little bit more dense, a little bit more complicated, a little bit more psychological and dangerous. I work with method acting with my clients, with my students, but not in that level that you have to become something else what i do yeah. is just it's typical theater exercise for you to find something inside of yourself that you would like to be but it's just not out yet it's nothing else it's you 
You just have to find a way to find that. Yeah, there I are exercises that. for that. I love that because yeah, there is there is probably you know a dark a dark side that we could probably you know embrace a little bit. I was like, oh, this is me, but it has always been me. I used to go on. I used to walk around the huge house of my grandparents with the lights off to see if I could spot a ghost somewhere. But everybody does that, I think. Maybe. I think kids kids like a good scare. Yeah. Well, that's why we watch horror movies. People we, like we, that sometimes. I like that. I like the idea. So my thing is, I I think a lot. I like the idea to believe in something that it's more than what I can see. Because if I think that this is all, I'm going to go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I need more. I need more than that. A Brazilian writer wrote once, art exists because life is not enough. And that's me. And wow. my uniqueness comes from my dark side. But I had a client, for example, that we pulled... He blossomed since I got him to tell me that he wanted to be a chef cook. And that's what we worked with. So somebody else I see and I say, hmm, you have the thing to be a stand-up comedian. So we will work your presentation in a way that is still is your business, but we will work on the jokes and build everything as a stand-up comedy show. Because that's that's my superpower. I work with people and I know where where to find the right the right buttons to push. Right. So that's that's what I do. And I think that it's important because I help people not to find something that they can just follow. Like, oh, body language and this and that. And no, I help them find this from within and then it's a natural thing and then we make that natural thing professional mm. and that's how it works and this is my own system that i have been working on for a long time and it took me a long time to get it to this point but it's working it's working very well it's the same way how i work with the tedx speakers when i go to the events and i coach them there i go inside the heads <laughs> like an evil genius, a mad doctor, and I pull it out. How do you do that? I don't want to give away all your secrets. Here. No, these are acting exercises. Oh, okay. These are acting exercises. Okay. They are. I just listen to the people, and then I know from the experience, I know what to do. I know which exercises would suit them, which exercises mm. they should try. And then I, while we are rehearsing, that's the reason why we rehearse people. It's to make some mistakes, try some things out, and then figure out what is the right thing for you to do. Because that's very individual. Some people have stage fright. Other people don't have stage fright, but they speak too fast or unclear. Or they have a bad posture, and that's killing their authority. So it really depends. Right. It's, it's not black and white. Very interesting. Where can we, I want to make sure we can find you. Where's the best place to find you and where can people check out your work and possibly work with you? Oh, I'm loving Instagram at the moment. Okay. <laughs> I have to say. What's your Instagram? The branding director. 
my Instagram and on Facebook, of course, you can always find me on Facebook. I have my page. There's also the branding director. I have my profile where I post a lot of things about my work. I give freebies and it's a lot of, a lot of really a lot of free information and hacks on my feed. You just need to click and you'll find it. Do you have a website right now or? I do. I do. The makeover master is working on my website right now. You can't imagine how excited I am. (laughs) He's getting lots of plugs. He, um, he's actually his, they sponsor the episodes right now. So it's, uh, it's really oh, good. So at the start oh. of it, he's a, he's a sponsor. So he's done mine as well. He's amazing. Just a um, Mike Young, Makeover Master. If anybody hasn't checked him out, he's awesome. He does personal branding, recreates oh. your whole thing. So that's a good plug for Mike. I, I actually <laughs> want to move in this website. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, my website is my name. It's yeah. arianadamello.com. Okay, awesome. So arianadamello.com and... The, I just want to make clear that we get the, the, your Instagram, right? Yeah. The branding director, the, all in the, one word, the branding director, all in one word. Awesome. And, word. and Ariane DeMello. Awesome. Thank you so much. I got one more question for you. Yeah, of course. Now this is something I ask everybody out of all the things you've gone through, all the experiences, what's the one thing that you can you could tell somebody out here, the listeners at university university that you can recommend to overcome adversity, to go on, to become successful in whatever it is they want to do. Resilience. Love it. Because life is tough. I don't like telling people how wonderful life is because we all know that isn't true. We choose to look at the bright side and that is the right attitude only some days are going to be shit and you're going to have to have one more cup of coffee, take one deeper breath and cry a little more to go on. But this is, I think this is what this is about, to keep improving, keep going, keep trying because we are born alone we're going to die alone. Make sure you stay resilient for your own sake. Uh, I love it. Resilience is so key. It's amazing. It's the word of my life. I love it. You just came <laughs> up with that right away. And resilience is so, so important. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, everyone listening out there, I'm sure you can agree this was a real treat. We got to dive into some really amazing things here and a very unique story that I think a lot of people can take away some really cool golden nuggets from, you know, because a lot of people listening travel and are scared to travel or think it's one way or another. But I really love diving deep on, you know, what it's what what it can bring into your life from kind of putting yourself in those experiences. So I I really appreciate it. It can be awesome. Today I live in Berlin and it was the best decision of my life. And I have a son with an Austrian. So we are Brazilian, German, and Austrian in one house. Amazing. It can work. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on. I thank you. Okay. And yeah. So 
you guys have a nice day. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got some value from that. Without you guys, this isn't possible. So I really, really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the episode and got value from it, go ahead and rate it, review it, hit that subscribe button. We want to get this to as many people as possible. and We want this thing to grow. So go ahead, rate, review, subscribe. And I can't wait for the next episode. Thank you so much. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.